If you're a landscaper, hardscape, or outdoor living professional, and you're a little nervous about all this talk of recession and uh, interest rate increases and what it means to your business and how to prepare yourself for the changing tides, you're not going to want to miss this episode. This episode, I have uh, Greg Crabtree from Simple Numbers 2.0 back on to give us some idea of what's coming next and how to prepare for it. Because the last thing you want as a business owner is to be caught unprepared. So these guys are the same ones that give me all my insight for me to keep my company running here and make sure that we're pivoting at the right time and that we're profitable through every different economic season. So uh, if if you're out there a bit nervous about what's going on in the economy, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company, but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. Uh, this is your host, Joshua Gillow. This episode is sponsored by Yes Express, teaching you how to get more yeses with less stress. Today, we have a guest that has been on the podcast before. He's our uh, our guy we go to to ask about where the economy is going. What's it look like for contracting, for outdoor living, for landscaping, all that. What is he seeing out there? Uh, his name is Greg Crabtree. He is the CPA and partner in charge. I love that, Greg. Um, in the uh, in his the CPA firm, he's also a speaker, an author, an entrepreneur, and a financial expert. So, uh, Greg. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. Too. So I wanted to get you back on the show here because a lot of people are listening to the news and they see, you know, that the Fed's going to raise interest rates again. They're seeing things tightening up. They're seeing layoffs happening yep. on the, in the big companies and corporations. And what I'd love to talk to you today about is the current state of the economy and what you're seeing in the contracting world. I know that you manage, you know, tons and tons of, of businesses and I'll let you get more into how you're finding this out. But, you know, what does it look like? What are you seeing out there? And then I'd love to get into some deeper questions to help our listeners really prepare for what's coming. Yeah. So, um, you know, the way that I come to this information, so I, I, I you know, everybody has opinions about things, but I, I want to be a data driven, you know, looking at the data. Uh, and so one of the unique things, uh, so I'm part of a, a national firm, Cartrigs and Ingram. So, but uh, my office in Huntsville, Alabama, um, we, we do, kind of a unique consulting process that I created before we merged with car rigs called simple numbers. And so I've written two books, you know, on the topic. Um, and in doing both books, we would do research data sets on our client data, you know, to come up with, okay, well, yeah, we can talk about this or that, but let's prove it. Let's prove it in the numbers. And after I wrote the second book, um, I, I decided to keep that data set active and update it monthly. And so right now, so we've identified 100 companies um, that are all across the U.S., all different geographies, all different industries. And so we kind of look at it as our basket of indication of what's happening uh, in in the U.S. economy. And and in tracking that information, you know, that kind of gives us an idea 
you know, of, of what's happening. Now, still, there's still questions that we have of the data, that things that you just can't get access to. But, but for the most part, when the government, for your listening audience, I mean, for the most part, when the government issues reports on stuff, um, let me just ask you a simple question. How much does the government know about what your business has done this year? Yeah, not a whole lot. Zero. Yeah. What do they know about your business? What it did last year in 21? Really zero. You may have filed your tax return by now, but I, I'm guaranteeing you, they have not looked at it for economic uh, data because tax basis is just not a, not a valid way of looking at, at economic performance. And, and, and so the reality is they're taking publicly available data from public companies and doing mathematical extractions to get, take a wild guess as to what the actual broad economy is doing. And, it, and it's, it just isn't right. I mean, it, it, you know, we've become far too much of a private company driven economy in the U S um, you know, there's been just a, a constant lag of new companies going public. Um, and, and so there's, you know, one data set that, you know, reported, if you look back at the year 2000, uh, compared to today, there should be twice as many public companies as there are. And the reason being, there's a lot of private equity that owns companies that are stay outside of the public markets. Those companies do not publish financial data, yeah. uh, you know, and those things. And so, so really the idea being, um, you know, you've got to look for where, where can you get some indications, you know, of, of what's really happening. And so we've, we've decided to, you know, for our clients and our community for simple numbers, you know, we, we try to, to be that source, you know, to tell people what we're seeing and, and the other thing that that we find from that is the fact that we now have a new new problem with looking at data because you know you measure things in dollars but dollars are moving on us more uh, more significantly than you know in in recent history uh you know so inflation has been probably somewhere between 2 and 3% for most of the you know from 2009 up until 2019 but then during COVID, we had this massive, you know, jump of inflation, and and we actually had seen that actually start happening prior to COVID. And our belief is, what's driving inflation is a constriction of the labor market. Um, and in looking at our data models, I would probably roughly estimate that 75% of inflation is caused by increasing labor cost, and lowering of production as well. Those two things combined. The other 25% is raw material, you know, gas and, and food cost and, and other things, but which all of those things actually, you know, other than gas, uh, but food cost and any of those things do have a labor component, mm -hmm. you know, embedded in them, you know, that, that's also contributing to that. And so this kind of leads to, you know, I mean, I, I, I think the Federal Reserve, uh, to put it nicely, is grossly misguided in taking a blunt instrument called interest rates and trying to tamp down inflation because it's not going to work. I, I can, and, and we've already seen that happen as they continue to push interest rates up. I mean, the, they, they will have to push interest rates up continuously and long enough and so high enough to, to crash an economy and mostly crash it in the real estate sector, which unfortunately all of your uh, listeners, you know, are, are connected yep. to. And it's like, you know, I, I, I tweeted this out. I said, well, based on uh, the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell's approach to this, I mean, which would you rather have? Would you rather learn to live with five to seven percent inflation, which is not horrible at the end of the day, uh, and have a job? Or would you like to be unemployed and have two percent inflation? 
take your pick. You know, I, I kind of like, I, I think I can learn to manage five to 7% inflation, you know, overall. Mm. And, and I think that's kind of where the marketplace, I mean, yeah, you know, we had times of where things heated up and, and yeah, interest rates were, were, were probably too lax, but, you know, I've always kind of contended that somewhere in that 4% 30-year mortgage rate is the optimal rate. Yeah. If we if we stay right around that 4% rate, you're not too hot and you're not too uh, too loose uh, or, or not uh, not too constricted. And and so I I think that's the thing that's where we need to be. Now I can say all that to to the cows coming home. At, at the end of the day, Fed's going to continue to push interest rates up. And here here's what the harsh reality is everywhere across our clients who are in connected to the real estate sector, you are seeing a slowing of activity. And so people are, uh, the big track builders are pausing uh, new home construction. Uh, they're not opening up new neighborhoods. Well, you know, those things just don't get turned on overnight. So that's slowing. Um, you know, I, I've got a, a client in the side business that you know, I mean, so they obviously they live off of new home starch because that's who buys the most mm-hmm. sod. And in their particular area in, in the southeast, I mean, I've, I've had them monitoring new housing starts and that number is declining, you know, rapidly. Yeah. Um, and, and so you, you've got this slowing. I've got real estate sales clients that are producing at probably 40 percent in in closed sales and commission dollars of what they were doing just six months ago. And, and so those are, those are significant adjustments. Now that has largely been localized just in the, the, the uh, real estate and connected industries, yeah. you know, in that process. And so th- there's still a continuing of, if you're in the Southern band of States where there's still people moving in, we still have a, a housing shortage, believe it or not. And, and so what you're also seeing is, are, are people gravitating to renting homes instead of buying homes as, as a temporary measure, waiting this thing yeah. out. Um, and there's still some people buying. I mean, it, you know, as much as, you know, it's not great to have a mortgage rate, you know, that's above 6%, uh, a lot of people are, are moving to arms that are buying houses that have to buy a house right now. Yeah. But you're seeing it where people will make different decisions on anything that's discretionary. Yep. Now, here's the good news is there's no bread lines anywhere. There's no unemployment. People have money. People are making more money than they've ever made in, in, in raw dollars. Now, whether or not it has the spending power or not, that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. But what we're seeing is all of our clients that are in discretionary product or, or service uh, you know, categories that it, the, when we looked at the data you know, starting in June, I mean, those sales really fell off. Yeah. And, and so we, we definitely saw, you know, a, a lessening of, of sales and a slowing. So when we look at our rolling three uh, revenue curves, there's definitely a downtick, you know, in these last three months. From all early indications, we won't have data for probably another two months for September, you know, but, but we're seeing a stabilization in September. And, and I think the marketplace is finding its footing of what, what is it deciding to yeah. do? And what does all that mean, you know, for your folks? Well, I mean, I think you've got to pay more attention to, um, you're, you're going to probably have more competition on your bidding. So people are going to, you know, have to, you know, bid tighter, but the, but you got to be careful with that. I mean, just because you, if you bid, you know, less profit, but your costs are still elevated, 
you're just not going to make it. You don't have activity, but you won't have any yeah. profit. And and so and and that really leads us, you know, to you know our number one play in our simple numbers playbook right now that we we've, we've had to, you know, you know, really pound to our clients is get profitable with what you got. And, and right now is a time where first and foremost, you've got to be profitable. You've got to you know, pass on work that you're going to lose money on. Uh, you might, if, if volume and we're in the area that you're servicing is started to decline and, and will fall, you've got to find where it's not going to go to zero, but where's that maintenance level that, that you can kind of survive to. And you've got to adjust your operation to stay uh, you know, in business and stay profitable at that level and, and wait this thing out because all indications are the fed is probably this week going to add another 75 basis points, you know, the interest rates, it's probably going to push mortgage rates into the six and a half to 7% range. And that's just not going to be good. And, you know, and we're going to start to see some, some weaknesses, especially in commercial property, I think is one of the bigger sectors where I think we're going to see a lot of weakness in, you know, eventually as, as more of those mortgages come up for renewal, that got kicked down the road. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so I think that's really kind of where, where I think, you know, this thing is headed. And, and so as much as it, w- I would say, yeah, go get the work, yeah, grow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this, this may not be the time to grow. This is called the time to get profitable yeah. and, and be selective in growth when you know I, I can source it and, I can, and, and the growth may be temporary. It may be a spurt of growth, but then I can ramp back to where I was yeah. and I'm not making you know, permanent investments. Uh, you know, like one of my real estate clients, I mean, they, they, they had staffed up and got their operation ready to handle this this high level of work that was happening back at the first of the year, and and they're having to let good people go that they just can't afford to keep yeah. because it's yeah. it's the, the work's not Greg, there so, and and it's and those sales aren't going to be yeah, there. Yeah, Greg, in, I just want to jump in here to, to kind of um, make sure I got the right idea here so the listeners are, are staying on board because yeah. you're dropping a lot of good stuff here. Um, so obviously in the landscape, hardscape, outdoor living world, contracting world. You know, one of our, our big things, we are discretionary buys, right? We They don't need us. We're not food. Mm-hmm. We're not water. We're not housing. So we are, when they have extra money, they do this, right? So as you're saying, there is still mm-hmm. money out there, but when it starts getting six, yeah. 7% to start borrowing that money to build these projects, it becomes a bigger choice to make because it's costing a lot more exactly. to build this. And that's why through COVID, it was such a perfect window of, you know, low cost money and high demand where now that's shifting because mm-hmm. the money's not as cheap. The demand might still be there, but it's a matter of whether they're going to, you know, flip and go to a new house and that doesn't make sense. And the new starts are less so that some of that uh, work that we're used to from the new started homes, they just aren't there anymore. So now we have a treasure trove right. of new contractors and contractors out there flooding the market. And now we have a, a, a compressing amount of work. So now it starts to become, uh, well, more competitive. So when it comes to competitiveness, you know, the first thing we want to do is to drop our price to get the bid so that we win, right? Because a lot of guys, and I was guilty of this too, Greg, was like, I just need to win. Right. And we got to win. I got, I got crews. Right. I've got a family to feed, but at what cost? So to your point, make sure you know your numbers, make sure you know you're profitable and say no to the projects you may or may not make money on and go for the ones that you will. Uh, but knowing that ahead of time is going to certainly help. And we're all tied to the real estate side, guys and girls out there listening. We're all part of that real estate movement. We, we don't have to be buying houses, but people have to buy a house for you to be part of this journey with them to build right. stuff outside. So we watch those indicators to make sure 
uh, that we know what's happening there because that's going to directly impact us. Mm -hmm. That's why I love having Greg and his team on my team so that they can communicate these things and we can be ahead of the curve. And that's why I want to have Greg back on today. Yeah. And, and, and I think to a certain degree, you know, one, you're going to see the, the latecomers that launched their contracting business in the last six to 12 months, they're going to be the first ones that probably wash out, you know, because, you know, they, they, they're, they were in the ramping phase. They were aggressively trying to get work, um, you know, but they're, they're going to find that, you know, this, this will be, you know, kind of a, you know, Hey, I I think I'm going to go back and just get a job, you know, somewhere, you know, um, you got the, the established groups that it, you know, through the demand phase, they had added a second or third crew or, or, you know, or added crews. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to look at those underperforming crews and they're the first ones you're going to say, you know, we got to trim this back. We got to get it to our core crews. But what I'm finding is our, our contractors who are doing this, they're actually more profitable getting back to just keeping their best people busy and adjusting to that size. Um, And part of it is also customer selection. You know, the the thing is in, in the, the, the people that will probably do the more profitable projects, those are the folks that they're not having to finance it anyway. They're writing a check for it. They have Mm -hmm. cash and those people still have cash at that part. You know, that, you know, they're a little cautious at the moment because of all this stuff that they're, they're hearing. Uh, some of them that were heavily invested in the stock market have taken some hits, you know, from that, you know, people with money have a tendency to pull in spending if their investments take a hit, you know, from that, that time frame. But, you know, it, it, spending is kind of a habit to them. Yeah. They, they kind of yeah. need to spend on something. And, and so, and, and as you've seen it before, and, and you know, in, in your experience, when you have a slowing sales market of homes, people gravitate to, well, let's spend money on the home we right. have. And, and so that's going to be the mindset of your customer is you're selling to that person who's saying, well, I'm not going to trade up. I'm going to be happy with the home I have. So here's that. That's really where, you know, I think from a marketing messaging, that's where you want to drive that wedge. It says, yeah, it, it's, you know, it, it's too crazy to, to change houses, but here's, here's a good plan. We can make the house you live in a, you know, a beautiful, you know, garden and, and let's, let's go take care of that piece. Exactly. And, and I think that's where the opportunity. No, is. I love that. I love that. And so Greg, in, in your crystal ball, you know, we look out 90 days from now, uh, what does it look like mm-hmm. for contractors? What should we be preparing for? What can we get ready for? Like what's, what's the best things we should be doing? I mean, the best thing is get profitable with what you got. I mean, be prepared for, you know, a continual slowdown. Uh, now, and now, this is where everybody's boat was being floated, you know, e- even in, in weaker markets, you know, in real estate, you know, for the last two years. There's going to be a couple of folks listening to this that are going to be in a market or they've got a tight customer base that isn't going to be affected by this. But they're going to be the exception, not the rule. I think every, you know, pretty much everybody we're talking to on every call is feeling this this weakness in demand of things coming, and and so so like I said, if you're in a discretionary product, you're going to kind of find where's that where's that baseline of where people will continue, you know, to have activity. And I think you you know the key is just get profitable now and don't don't keep telling yourself, Oh, well, you know, we're going to have a couple of weak months, but it, the, the good stuff is coming. 
I'm telling you, until interest rates get back down in the under 5% 30-year you know, rate market, we're not going to see transaction flow. So one of the things that you know, I think is, is your industry needs to watch for is real estate transactions. So the fact that you might be doing something for a customer who isn't doing a transaction, but the demand of the market is, is really fed by how many real estate transactions are happening, both commercial and, and residential. And, and that, that transaction volume has, has dramatically dropped. And so keep an eye out on transactional volumes. And when that starts to pick back up, that's when, you know, you kind of go back out in the market. Otherwise, you're really just working hard to keep that maintenance of, of projects and, and things going. And, you know, keep an ear to what are the customers telling you? I mean, listen, you know, you're, you're interfacing with people asking for stuff. You'll be your own market research, you know, firm of, of you know, what is it that, that, they're gravitating to, you know, to, you know, that, that they will spend money on. Uh, and, and you might have to adapt, you know, certain projects and certain types of things yeah. uh, to, you know, to kind of fit where the customer's heads at. Absolutely. Things like, you know, what we typically do in downturns is say, okay, clients still want to do amazing projects. They still love their home. They just might not have all of the liquid capital to do it. So we start phasing projects out. You know, say, hey, look, this is yeah. a this is a five year plan, and they go back into it. Yeah, people right. want it right away, of course, but you know, this is a way for mm-hmm. them to achieve it. So it's it's pivoting. Maybe it's not going from you know doing outdoor living to uh, to cleaning gutters. Nothing wrong with that, but I mean, the point yeah. is, it doesn't have to be a complete flip, but it has to maybe be a, a different perspective on what you're doing, putting yourself in the perspective clients' shoes, looking back and saying, okay, how do I? How can you yeah. help them afford this? How can you help them achieve the dream given current economic yeah. conditions? And just keep pivoting. It's a constant pivot. Business is never something that stays static for more than a day, right? It's always moving. And if you're not moving with it, you're going to be behind quickly. So constantly looking at yeah, that. Yeah. Now, I think you you will start to see some moderation where you've probably been getting big price hikes in raw materials, yeah. you know, of, of things. I think some of those, those materials have seemed to start to come back to reality a bit. And, and I think just because of shortages and things, people were able to, to really, you know, put some high spot prices on, you know, mulch and fertilizer. There, there was actually a great article out, you know, this past week about Scott's. It, it, they overbought on fertilizer and thinking that they were going to corner the market. And, and now the demand for fertilizers uh, for at least yards have, have really cratered. And so Scott's sitting on a ton of, of uh, fertilizer that they'd love to get rid of. Um, and, and so those are, those are good things, yeah. you know, when, cause when things kind of get kind of wacky in terms of shortages and all that, that's where people can really be opportunistic and, you know, charge more than what something truly is worth. Um, so we'll see some of that, you know, kind of come back. And, and so just when you're talking to your suppliers, you have an ear to the market of, Hey, if, you know, they might be trying to hold on to a price that they were used to getting. Mm, they probably there's a little bit less that they're probably willing to let that stuff go for because especially if they're sitting on a ton of because yeah. they they got a ton of cash sitting in inventory that finally caught up mm-hmm. and now they, they want to turn that inventory to cash as fast as they can yeah and, and you know what if, if you're we do you know we're a design managed model when it comes to our business so we don't actually have the crews in house mm-hmm. we rely on specialists and craftsmen to do all the construction side of things we manage the idea um, and with that being the case, we saw during COVID when everyone's really busy, you know, prices went up, not just for materials, for labor and for, hey, if you want to be in our schedule, this is what's going to cost, right? And it's normal in, in that type of a, an environment. 
but now you're starting, we're starting to smell a different uh, perfume, if you will, a different uh, um, thing going on now where it's like, all right, maybe they're not so busy. So they're not so selective because during that time, it's like, I only want the best work, yep. the work I love to do. That's it. And now they're like, I got crews to keep busy. So we're starting to see a shift in that as well. Uh, where they're more open to projects they would have probably turned their nose to a few months earlier or a year earlier. Yeah. So unfortunately I need to give everybody a little bit of a sobering picture of beyond the next three months, because as we've continued to study, you know, why are we here? Why, why is this happening? And in our data suggests that um, we would be here without COVID. Mm -hmm. This isn't a COVID related thing that we're living Mm -hmm. in. Um, and, and what, what we found was, is we actually ran out of labor in the U S economy around October of 2019. And, and that was really what caused the initial surge of, of, uh, inflationary, you know, wages, the people going home and trying to lure them back kind of spiked it a bit, but I got news for you. We're still short of people. I mean, like I said, you know, this is, this is an unusual recession, for for one major reason all other previous recessions there was an excess of labor you know when there was a recession there was people looking for handouts people in bread lines they, they, that, that doesn't exist anywhere and 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 so that labor shortage is permanent and you know so here here's a good data point uh, this was reported in uh wall street journal a couple of weeks ago somewhere later this year early next year the world will be at its peak population now, just let that sink mm-hmm. in for a moment. It will be the first living generation where the world will be declining in population by choice, not by war, pestilence, famine, natural disaster, disease. And that is a massive economic impact. We have enjoyed 250 years of the U.S. history of an expanding economy because of people. And I mean, I, I, I mean, I study labor you know, more than most. And, and labor is, is that big thing of, you know, when I have too much of it, you know, then I can get it cheap. Uh, if I have not enough of it, that cost goes up and I got to charge more and, and all those things. And, and so really where we're at today is, you know, we're, we're to probably somewhere around 1.6 replacement birth rate. The, you know, you need to be at a 2.1 to have a, a, a population stable, you know, society because of, uh, untimely deaths and and so immigration is certainly you know good or bad you know covering you know part of that you know but but the reality is the world's in a, in a tough spot you know and from this standpoint and uh right now india is the only major country that's above replacement birth rate and it's it's expected that they'll be below replacement birth rate by 2025 to 2030 somewhere around there and so getting your head around this is the fact that my generation, all of my peers have retired. So I'm the idiot that keeps working because I like what I do. Yeah, and, um, you know, but, but my generation has moved on to be wealthy consumers that are driving the excess demand that the following generations don't, they're not enough of them to support it. Now, eventually my generation is going to die off over the next five to 20 years. And as we start to die off, that balance will, will come back into play. But we've got five to 10 years, I believe, of inflation, of this imbalance of not enough labor to solve demand. And now, and, and so the challenge of that's going to be is, you know, 
when you also don't have a growing population, where is where am I going to get growth from? So we're, we're in a situation where I don't see how the U.S. economy continues to grow because and, unless you just open the, the doors and let a bunch of you know, uh, immigration come in. You know, but but really, at the end of the day, we have a production problem to to create growth. I mean, gross domestic product is about production. It's not dollars. It's production. Now, part of it is that's a hard number to calculate because we're not a we're not a nation of widgets, you know, and, you know, like you, you guys do a, a hardscape project. Well, how do you measure the output of that? Mm, it's kind of difficult. Yeah. And but but the reality is, is I can tell you that all across our client base, you know, right now, pretty much the only growth. So we you know, when we look at the 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 revenues for the month of July in our hunter company model, it was up seven percent over the previous year. Guess what? hundred percent of that's inflation. Actually, more of that is inflation is probably 10. And there was probably a true four percent decline in actual output. And. That's where we're at at the moment. And so here's the thing that everybody's got to start to, to factor in. When inflation is a significant number like it is, you can't just use dollars to measure success. You've got to find a way to measure output. And that's not easily done. Yeah. You know, in, unless you're in just in a discrete goods, you know, you, you can measure how many boxes of something you shipped, you know, but, but, and, and so, so at the end of the day, what I want to get everybody's head around is here's the, here's the, the bad news. We're going to be in a tough time to grow, given this imbalance of lack of buyers. We're, we're, we're at the peak buyers in the marketplace. Here's the good news is, if you're good at business, you'll have probably the best environment that you've ever had, but you've got to do it two ways. To grow in the coming market, I've either got to take it away from another competitor, I've got to be better than them, or... I got to sell my customers something that they're willing to take money out of another part of their wallet to give it to me to do the thing that I'm doing. Now, and that's really where you guys live, you know, in the hardscape, uh, you know, landscape world, you're, you know, you can have the same customer depending on how your skill is of presenting value and presentation. Are you going to sell them a $100,000 project, a $50,000 project or a $10,000 project? And that's really where your communities got to really step up their game of visualization. And, 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 and I'll give you a great example. So uh, when we built the house that we're in, I, I, I fondly refer to this as my last house. <laughs> so this is, I, 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 they're going to take me to the grave or the senior home. From this <laughs> so nice little mountaintop, you know, bluff view. We decided to add a pool onto the back. And, and so I went to the, a, a, checked out references and selected the pool company I wanted to use and went to this guy and, and said, well, you know, you know, I was kind of thinking $80,000 was what I was going to spend. And he said, well, you know, but he, his thing was he did a great job of just finding out what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so did he, he put it in his CAD program, came out, did renderings and showed me a picture of what it would look like. Um, but it was going to be 150,000. You know, and he convinced me that 80,000 was not going to get me what I wanted. I said, well, let's do some value engineering. Can we get it down a bit? And he showed me a $120,000 version, but it just, you know, he he showed me the picture of what Mm -hmm. it could be first. And I will tell you, I mean, if you come out today and look at, I showed you the rendering and I show you what it actually looks like live. It's exactly the same thing. I mean, he, he nailed it. 
And and the thing was, I wanted to spend eighty, but I could spend a hundred or one hundred and fifty, and I did. Um, but I think those are the kinds of things that this is where everybody everybody's got to understand your growth up until this past year. You you got a, a get out of jail card with a lot of that because there was just excess demand. Now I think you're going to have to to be really good at what you do, and I like that environment. I, I'll I'll take that that challenge, yep. and 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 I I think you'll always be able to be profitable because the thing is, if the marketplace gets to where it's stupid, and it wants you, it'll only pay you an amount that you can't live by it that that just doesn't work because then all that, all that supply goes away. I mean, and so you only see that kind of in the medical industry where insurance companies compress reimbursement rates where there's just denial of service because you just can't afford to perform that action in a free market kind of situation, like what you guys are dealing with, there'll always be a fair price to be paid if you go execute and you go win the customers. So I, I, I believe in the free market aspect of that piece. So Greg, um, so if I'm hearing you correctly, the, your, your, uh, you know, thought here is that, you know, in a tighter market, your best chance, your best advantage to win over competition, of course, and one of those two factors is to be able to communicate either visually or, you know, just through communication, getting to yep. just like your contractor did with you and walk through and you might've had a budget of 80 grand in your head or told him that, but he knew that that's not really mm-hmm. what you needed to invest to get what you wanted. So would you agree that the exactly. communication between the visual aspect of that CAD drawing and also the fact that he listened to you made a big difference in that sale? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just one of the most perfect examples of he got me to do something I wasn't planning on doing. Yeah. But I, but I've been thoroughly, thoroughly pleased Good. with it. I mean, I, I have zero regret because, like I said, it turned out exactly like I yep. wanted, and it's the magnet for the grandkids. That's, that's all you, you need, know, right? So. Keep getting them back. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, that's exactly what we do here at Yes Express is to help you have that conversation. Uh, because just to go out and say, hey, you know, I'll be there Wednesday. Let's talk about your project and not setting up the expectation, talking about budget, you know, setting up what they really want. Mm-hmm. What are they trying to do? And in Greg's case, it wasn't just because they wanted the fancy pool to show off to their friends. It was to get the grandkids back. Let's figure that out on the phone call yeah. before we ever go out so that we can now gauge our conversation and make sure we can achieve that goal in perfection like it did for him. So I'm just happy you had that experience because oftentimes contractors can be more focused on transactions than the transformation. Oh, yeah. So I'm glad you found somebody. It might even been one of our students who knows, but anyway. Well, and, and, and I think the thing, and like I said, the, the, the poor business managers will really struggle yeah. in this environment yep. because the, the, there's not as sloppy of a profit margin in there for yep. them to cover over their errors. And you know, it's going to be a very, a much more discerning buyer, you know, for the most part. And, and so I, I, like I said, I really think it's a positive in the long yeah. run for the, the top end of the businesses. If you're a mediocre business, you might want to find a job somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's might hurt. We've got listeners out there, but at this point, there's still some time for you to learn how to run your business, to be profitable, how to have a conversation with your clients. Um, you know, that's, that's the main thing. You just can't skate by. I, I mean, I've been in business now 25 years in this, you know, in this environment and, been through 08, 09, all through that stuff. And, you know, it is through that time is because we knew how to communicate with people. And I saw a lot of guys go out of business quickly because they come in and we've never seen anything like COVID before, as far as the demand being so high that everyone's jumping into the business because they can make more money than if they had a job and they just go out and buy equipment left and right. And all of a sudden, boom, 
it's so great. I mean, I didn't have to, I'm not even a good salesperson. I can go out and close these projects. Like I don't need help. And I'm like, don't get used to that because that's not reality. Yeah. Yeah. That is a very high end version of a very small segment of your, your career. So enjoy yeah. it. That's fine. But make sure you're investing that money that you're making on the profit, hopefully profitable, invest into building you as a human that you can communicate better. So when times do change, which inevitably they will, you're prepared for it. And not like, yeah. oh, good. I, where's all my business? I got all this new equipment. I'm fancy. I'm all this, but I, I don't know how to communicate. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Crap. Now what am I going to do? And then you got to start laying things off. Well, and, and, and really for your audience, the, the, the basics in the finance that we just hammer home, it says, listen, it's not about revenue. It's about margin. Right. And then second to margin, but a very close second is how quickly you get paid so that you're not financing the yes. project. And, and so the two keys is under, you know, almost make your, make your team put a dollar in the swear jar every time they mention the word revenue. It ain't about yeah. revenue. It's about, you know, you want to have a margin communication protocol that says, I, you know, of, of what I'm going to build the customer minus my direct cost of materials and other contractors and goods. What's that margin yes. number? And, and you can, you know, it, it, the easiest number to figure out is how much margin do I have to create on a monthly basis to cover all of my re monthly recurring cost of overhead and the labor that I've committed to of my team. And that's an easy number to know. I should know that on the first day of the month. And I'm sitting here on, you know, September 20th and I got 10 days you know, left to go in the month and I need to be two thirds of the way to my target by now for this month. And what am I going to, what can I finish in the next 10 days, you know, to hit that target 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 margin production yep, yep. it's no it's no more complex than that nope i love it but yeah. it's um, it just flabbergasts me how many people don't know that number yeah not just on top of that great it's a knowable it, number it is and it's easy one to calculate but on top of all that especially getting the business it's all about how much can we bring in the front door the revenue side right like oh look i got five hundred thousand in revenue this year i had a million dollars in revenue this year that's amazing I don't give a shit about that. How much did you take? How much cash could you pull out right now? How, what's your margin look like? Yeah. How, how, that's what matters. That's what stays in your pocket. The rest is yep. all just for your friends to think, oh, you're really cool. But if you made a million right. dollars this year and it cost you a million three, that's not so good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you'd be amazed at how many oh, yeah. times. And, and that's and that's something that's, you know, my my building industry clients that, um, you know, that have long they that are in the high end projects that tend to take longer, they've been starting to get hit with, you know, extra costs that they're not passing through. I had a call with a client yesterday and, you know, and they're in a cash flow bind because just letting some extra billings mm -hmm. didn't get passed through to the customer mm -hmm. uh, and just not staying on top of, um, you know, getting paid as timely as they need to. And, you know, between the margin compression and that, you know, lack of timing on cash flow. You know, it, you got a lot of money sitting out there in projects waiting to be completed, yep. but that doesn't pay the bills today. That's exactly it. And we're in the process of shifting out exactly how we, you know, our, our um, payment cadence with our clients as well. We used to do a third, a third, and a third, but the problem was we were realizing so much of the profit on the front side of the project uh, that it landed one year, then it wasn't until another year till we built. So it looked like a loss the second year. So it just didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And working with your team, we flattened that out now to a four payment system where it'll keep us profitable through the entire project. And that's, yeah, that's it's a good. huge piece. You know, Jack has been instrumental and, in that. And that's fair. Yeah, it's very I mean, fair. 
you know, payments should flow as costs are being exactly. incurred. I mean, that, that's that's a it's a nice fairness doctrine. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, you're not trying to hold somebody's money and, and not do anything. Exactly. You want to be paid as you're moving through and then your company can realize the value in, in that, that profit mm-hmm. when it's being realized. So it's not like you're getting all this up front uh, and then like, oh, crap. So I got it now in, in September. I don't do this project till April by April. You know, I'm, I'm basically getting money from a client just to pay and I'm actually a negative at that point. So it doesn't to try to keep it yeah. as flat as possible so that each increment that comes from the client is actually paying debt and also profit at the same time and mm-hmm. and keeping the business more yeah. flat and level. So it's uh, yeah, it's definitely something. So, Greg, I can talk all day about this subject with you. So if I'm a contractor out there, I'm just new in this. Uh, in this world, I hear this thing recession. I'm a little nervous. What are some things that I should be doing now to get prepared? Well, you know, as we said, you know, the, the simple numbers playbook is get profitable with what you got is step yep. one. Step two is of the profitability that you have, you've got to get then to what we say fully capitalized. So, so you got to get to that two months of operating expenses in cash so that you've got some buffer. You're not living off of a line of credit. And the way to do that, you got to get profitable first because that's not going to happen until you do that. Secondly, you got to go on a distribution diet. You got to quit taking money out of the business until it and let that cash balance heal up. And then you got to act like that two month cash numbers if you have nothing. And so just don't drop below that number. And that's going to be kind of your governor of telling you, you know, how aggressive you want to be to go you know, go after a project or, you know, keep pushing, um, you know, to get things done. Now, the other thing I will say too, though, is, you know, the, the one thing that COVID has left us with is a slower workforce. And now I, we're seeing signs that I think we're, we're starting to get back in rhythm again, but you've got to get your people to push through and play to the end of the whistle. And, and that means, I got to finish as much as I can today and not let it fall into tomorrow and finish everything I can this week and not let it fall into next week and fall into next month. And, and by, you know, I, I, I have this fantasy in business. I know this may sound weird, but let's get everything done and take Friday off with pay. How about Mm, that? that. Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't that be nice? And, and, and it's, there's this idea that we, as we start to get close to the end of our backlog, we slow down and like we're afraid to have nothing to do. And I'm telling you, that's what you want to have is work through and get done. So you do have nothing to do and, hey, send your production people home, you know, with pay, but get out there on the, on the sales road and get some more projects sold. But where when work slows down, we see this natural you know, inclination to stretch the work out that you have because you're afraid to not have something yeah. to do. And you got to fight against that with everything you got. I love that. That's so true because you become less and less profitable the more you stretch. So what are you doing it for? You're not helping anybody. You're just making sure your ego doesn't get dinged because there's somebody not working on a Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big piece. Greg, I appreciate you for coming back on here and I'm sure we'll have you on in the future again to uh, continue us on this saga of the changing economy and uh, how we can prepare. Well, hopefully there'll be, uh, you know, I've had to give folks a little more sobering news today, but, but I, I I mean, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta look at truth and it's like there, there's always opportunities, you know, in every, Mm -hmm. every environment and every situation and, and hopefully our political leaders, you know, I wouldn't put much faith in that, but yeah, I mean, we, we can only respond to what they yeah. do. And right now, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of what they're doing, but it's like, okay, well, you know, just suck it up and let, let's do the best we can, what we got. And then look, be, be ready for that opportunity. Right. And, and that's why you got to stay yep. in the game and you got to be capitalized. You got to be profitable and, and don't try to grow into a marketplace that isn't allowing growth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but if you, if you find that unique thing, okay, it's like feeding a blackjack hand, you know, feed it, feed it until you know that run stops you know but uh but i think these are these are going to be different times than we've experienced in uh in in the lead up to to covid and uh but we'll we'll, we'll always we always seem to get through always. it so. we, we come out better on the other side of it remember when covid became a word and we're like oh crap i know in our industry when i first thing i thought of is okay everyone's going to stop spending what are we going to do right because i'm used to things change typically our our uh, discretionary income purchases like out, you know, hardscaping, outdoor living are the first things that stop. And I'm like, oh crap. Then all of a sudden it flipped and everyone was stuck home and they're like, I want something new and I got lots of money. And then the whole thing flipped, like didn't see that coming, but we just, you can't fully prepare for what's coming. You just got to give it your very best and yep. always invest in you. The more education you have, having a, someone on your team like Greg and his guys to to help you with the CFO side of things, to look at the numbers, see them differently than than most accountants would, teach you how to forecast all of those things. So I love having our meetings with Jack. It's changed our business completely. You know, going into this, I'm not afraid of it because I feel like I have a team that can help see what's coming so we can prepare ahead of time. So um, Greg, how can people find you if they love what they heard today and they're looking to add somebody to their team to help them through this? Yeah, the, the best place to go is simplenumbers.me is the, the consulting team's website, you know, within CRI. So that, uh, that'd be the easiest place to go. There's a contact form there that you can get in touch with us. So we're, we're pretty easy to find. And uh, both books are available, uh, Simple Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits, Simple Numbers 2.0, uh, uh, Rules for Smart Scaling are both available on Amazon and both uh, on audiobook now as well. Love so. that. Love that. Greg, thank you again for coming on and sharing your most precious asset, your time to help our listeners get prepared for the coming times. And uh, I really appreciate that, Greg. Thanks, Josh. Absolutely, Appreciate guys it. listening out there, it's not the end of the world. Things are going to change. There's going to be pivots happening. What's going to really be amazing is when you look back in a few years and realized and realize how much you've had to grow through these times and how much stronger you are because of this stuff. It's the struggle that really creates the the new person that 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 the new economy requires you to to be. So uh, if you if you need help, reach out to Greg. Those guys are amazing. I can only say amazing things. They've helped us a ton over the years. And uh, if you're looking to learn how to have that conversation with your clients so you can be the only choice in your client's mind because you've listened well, you know exactly what they're looking for. You can help take like Greg's situation where he's thinking 80,000 and next thing you know, it's at 150 because you listened and you actually delivered what he's trying to get. He wasn't looking for a pool. He's looking for a place that his grandkids would come running back to and never want to leave. So there's uh, there's a lot to be had there. So reach out to us if you want to learn how to have that conversation. But uh, again, as always, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. 